Is there anyone that you would give up your life for, that you would willingly die for? In Romans chapter 5 or 7, it says, For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's hard to think of people that we would lay down our lives for. Maybe our family members, maybe someone who is really innocent or really good, but we certainly wouldn't lay down our lives for people who are our enemies, for rebels, for wicked sinners. But that's exactly what God did. When Jesus went to the cross and laid down his life willingly, he died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies. Such audacious courage and audacious love. I'm so glad that you've joined me on Audacious Arrows, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's word. Our reading today brings us to the crucifixion of Jesus. You remember that the chief priests and the elders, the Jewish authorities, um, were forbidden under Roman law to put someone to death. So they had handed Jesus over to Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor of Judea at the time. And Pilate has the authority to execute a prisoner. The Roman crucifixion was an awful, agonizing death, probably one of the most awful deaths in all of human history. Um, Jesus is going to be scourged, which means he was whipped with probably a whip that had little bits of bone tied to the end. It would have cut him badly, and many prisoners died just from being scourged, didn't even make it to the crucifixion. Um, Jesus does survive being scourged, and he is crucified and nailed to the cross. Um, crucifixion was a long, slow, agonizing death. Often people who were crucified lived for days and days um, on the cross before they actually died. And so Jesus, in our, the part that we're going to read today, he doesn't actually die yet. He's just on the cross. Keep in mind as we read that this, um, this was no surprise to Jesus. He had talked to his disciples many times. He had gone intentionally to Jerusalem knowing that this would happen. He knew what kind of death he would die. He was very familiar. Everyone during that time period would have been familiar with the Roman crucifixion. And it had also been prophesied in many places in scripture. One place that you can read in detail about this is in Psalm 69. Um, another place that talks about Jesus' death is Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53, and I want to read a little bit of that to you. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? I'm going to skip ahead a couple verses, and then it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So as we read this, keep in mind that Jesus knew exactly what he was going into, and he knew why. He was bearing the iniquities of the people, of you and for me, all of the sins of his church, past, present, and future, he bore on the cross. He carried on the cross for us. So let's read. We're in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to start at verse 11. So find that in your Bible, Matthew, and then find 27, and then find verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified! So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. 
Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from that cross, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Let's look a little bit at, at what we just read. Um, the first thing that we read about was Jesus standing before Pilate, and he doesn't answer him. He gives him no answer. And the governor is greatly amazed. You know, most criminals on trial will give a defense for themselves. They'll say, give lots of reasons why they shouldn't be executed or why they're innocent. And Jesus doesn't do that. He is silent. Just like we read in Isaiah, um, like, a, like a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. You know, that was prophesied almost 700 years before this event. Isaiah wrote that down. 700 years earlier. Um, this was no, again, this was no surprise to Jesus. And then we have Pilate and these crowds. And Pilate, you know, he, he kind of sees that Jesus is innocent. He wants to have Barabbas crucified and Jesus released. He washes his hands, kind of in a symbolic act to say, this isn't my guilt. This is your, you're the ones who want him crucified. I'm innocent of this. But um, even though he does that, Pilate is still the one that condemns Jesus to death, along with these crowds. You know, and I'm tempted often to think that if I had been there, I would have, I would have been on Jesus' side. I wouldn't have yelled crucified with these crowds. But I think that's prideful for us to think. After all, these crowds are all, these people are shouting this. And Jesus' own friends had already abandoned him. They had run away. They had betrayed him. Even Peter, one of his closest friends, had denied even knowing him. So to think that we would be better is prideful. We probably wouldn't have been. And then let's look at how Jesus is mocked. I think that some of these things are um, really ironic and telling. So at, in verse 40, we have all these people that are walking by or gathering around the cross, and they're, and they're mocking him, they're making fun of him. They're wagging their heads, kind of shaking their heads, saying... You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. And they're saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. If he trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. So let's talk about that just a little bit. First of all, when Jesus said that he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, um, Matthew, that happened a few chapters ago in Matthew, and Matthew records that he wasn't talking about the temple, like the physical brick-building temple, but he was talking about his own body. And we know the end of the story. We know that he will rebuild it in three days, right? He is going to come back from the dead in three days. He said, they say, if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. He could come down from that cross, couldn't he? I'm sure that Jesus could ask his father and he would send legions of angels, but he chooses willingly to stay on that cross until his death 
for you and I. They make fun of him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Think about all of the miracles that Jesus had done. The people that he had brought back to life, the people that he had healed, the demons he had cast out, all of the wonders that he had done before these people. Surely he could save himself, but he chooses not to because he is saving others, because he is saving not just from death, but from the wrath of God. He's saving others. So Jesus intentionally stays up on that cross because he is saving others, because he's saving many. Which brings us to our memory verse for this week, with Psalm 96. Verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. What is his salvation? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So tell of his salvation from day to day and declare his glory among everyone you know. I'm glad that you've joined me on Audacious Arrows in reading through the book of Matthew. You know, this is the climax of the greatest story ever. Reading about Jesus's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into glory is like the the highlight of all of human history. And just like a good book that you can read over and over and over and over again and never get tired of, this is that story. It's the story of our salvation. It's the greatest story of the greatest hero ever. That's who Jesus was. So I would encourage you to not not waste time and read it. Read it over and over. You can read about it at the end of Matthew. This story is also recorded at the end of the other Gospels. So at the end of Mark, the end of Luke, and the end of John. You can go to Psalm 69 and read about that and think about how that connects to the actual events that happen. And you can read Isaiah chapter 53 like we read. I hope that um, this story means as much to you and is personal to you because Jesus bought the salvation for you. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. All right, we'll see you next time.